Dr. Amy Watson knew from six years of age that she wanted to be a veterinarian. She got her veterinary degree with advanced study in pathology from the University of Cambridge in 2005. After graduation, she joined a large group veterinary practice for eight years before doing locum small animal work for an additional three years. In 2016, she founded her practice, Pinpoint Veterinary Care. She started her holistic education with the acupuncture course from the Association of British Veterinary Acupuncturists in 2013. In that course, she met Dr. Linda Boggy and was inspired to complete IVIS training in 2017. Dr. Watson is also certified in rehabilitation from CRI. She is currently finishing her advanced certification program in Chinese herbal medicine from CIVT. She is also a two-time nominee for Pet Plans Veterinarian of the Year. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Amy Watson as we discuss her childhood guinea pigs, her veterinary education, starting practice, and the events that led her to founding her own practice. Dr. Watson, thanks so much for talking with My me today. My absolute pleasure. It's lovely talking to you, Neil. So what kind of pets did you have growing up? Uh, I was brought up with a dog. I didn't have any pets when I was a really small child, and I wanted some. <laughs> I remember telling my mum one day, having spoken to a friend, that we were going to the weekend to pick a kitten up. And I think she panicked somewhat, so we got some guinea pigs instead. So I had two guinea pigs, um, who were tremendous because they were both girls. And unbeknownst to us, they were pregnant when we got them. So we suddenly ended up with more than oh. two guinea pigs, which was quite comical. Our next-door neighbours had them. So we came home from holiday while they'd had them on holiday, looked after them for us. And... Um, when we got home, there was a note in the post box because they'd gone on holiday the day we got back saying, went to look at the guinea pigs this morning. Surprise, surprise, two plus two equals four. So, <laughs> which was not quite what we were expecting. But guinea pigs are great pets to have on a sort of surprise pregnancies with because the babies come out fully formed, eyes open, eating solid food. They're just fab. So, yes, two guinea pigs oh, I started man. with. And then we got a dog, Black Labrador Rosie, who was just fabulous and I went through all my formative years with her and it's that sort of relationship that you have where you tell them everything especially as a teenager all those sort of angsty moments you have to tell your dog so it was sad when she finally passed away after about 16 years mm. Mm. how old were you oh, then? I just qualified so I would have been oh, 25 26 yeah oh my gosh yeah. so she she was really yeah. with you during all, all of, of that. that yeah really did everything so oh, it was yeah. um yeah it was it was a uh, a big wrench when she went, but um, she had a good long life and she was a cracking girl. Did you find it difficult? I mean, you said you just qualified. I mean, I, I lost a pet sim in similar a similar situation. I, had, I hadn't had him as long, but it was just really difficult with the both the veterinary mind and just the, this is my oh, dog mind, you know, yes. to handle that. And I found that having qualified as well, I'm, I'm very aware that I find it quite challenging to treat my own animals. Uh, and I've had, a f I had two cats just after I qualified and one of them, I was on call one night and we'd, I'd moved recently and the cats had just started going out and I got a call when they hadn't come back at about three in the morning from a member of the public saying, I found a cat by the side of the road. And I asked where it was and I thought, crikey, that sounds, that's just by me. And I, but they described the cat and I thought, that's not mine. And I got to the practice and it, it was my cat and she'd been hit by a car and I couldn't treat her. I couldn't do anything. I had to call in another vet and um, another nurse and she'd broken her back and you know, it was a overriding. It was, it was not a decision to have to make that was hard. And I found that 
really, all of those things have made me appreciate that I cannot distance myself very well from treating my own animals. So certainly if it's sort of day to day, I will happily treat mine. And I have a, a, a three-year-old border terrier with hip dysplasia and arthritis and I treat her day to day very happily. But for big stuff, I won't. I will give them to somebody else and ask them to do it, somebody I trust. It's mm. really difficult to do. I agree. And it is really freeing to just be able to be mm. I'm the pet mom or, or, you know, and I'm just going to turn it over to a trusted colleague and just let them tell me. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I think it's, it's nice to have that space and to be able to go, well, what would you do? And then, you know, then you can come at it from your own slightly different angle and put your twist on it. But it's much easier to have that space than to try and be putting your vet hat on and your owner hat on and the emotions. Sometimes you just need to give yourself true message. You say it's very freeing sometimes to be able to say to somebody, can, can you tell me what you think? What have you done? What do you think we need to do oh, next? Totally, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. So you decided you want to be a veterinarian, veterinarian pretty early in life, yes. yeah? It was, it was really interesting because I've always been very animal orientated. And I remember when I was at primary school, I was sent home with homework, whereas nobody else was, because all of the stories that I was writing in my classes were all based around animals, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Squirrel, Mr. and Mrs. Dog. And they said, she needs to write stories that aren't about animals. And I still remember that now, you know, so 30 odd years later. So I decided I wanted to be a vet very early on. I wanted that animal contact. And I slightly went off the idea when I was about 12, when I dissected a fish in class and everyone was squealing and screaming and and you thought and it smells of fish and I thought no this isn't for me uh, but then I came back around to the idea and it's 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 I wavered only for a short time but after that it's always been what I wanted to do I, I, I tried doing a lot of work experience when I was a teenager in various different situations in pharmacies and GPs I spent a day with an orthopedic surgeon watching spinal surgery when I was 17 and I found it interesting, but it never floated my boat, whereas being down at the vet's practice and that engagement with the clients and the animals was just, I just felt at home. Mm. That's really good that you didn't have a second thought. Yeah, so no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> how, how difficult, what, is it extremely difficult to get into veterinary school? In the there? UK? Yes, it is. And yeah. I remember when I was at school, someone saying, it, when we were looking at careers in general, they said, actually, if you look at all of the degrees, we have A-levels and they've changed now. They used to be lettered as in um, uh, qualifications. The A-levels were qualifications and they were lettered. So A was like the top and E was lower down. F was, I think, fail. Now they've changed it to numbers. So I'll just throw that out there. But th I remember someone saying you only need two E's to do any of the university degrees to, to be of a standard to be able to do that, be that astrophysics or medicine or whatever. But it's the demand for the courses that makes you have to get the higher grades and so in the UK you have to have top grades I don't know what it is nowadays because they've changed from number system but it would be the top ones so when I was doing it you pretty much had to have straight A's or you weren't going to get a place and then it was well what else because then you get to that point where there's so much demand for the places everyone who's applying is already getting the grades so it's a case of well what else have you got to offer um, all the work experience and everything else that you're doing around it to show that you're you're, you're committed to this as a career really comes into it. Did you have a backup plan? No, <laughs> I didn't. There are six. When I did it, there was um, we have a UCAS form, which we have to fill in to apply to the universities. And there were six places on the UCAS form for your university choices. And there were six vet schools at the time. So I just wrote all six vet schools down. It's very easy filling the form out. But I did that, yeah. Um, with, the, with those six schools, is there preference to uh, your 
where you're applying from geographically? I, 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 I suspect if work? you're in Scotland, the two Scottish vet schools will probably have a, you, you, you may have a bit more of a chance maybe. I might be wrong with that. But in general, no, it's as far as I'm aware, there's no geographical, you know, it's not a case of if you're close by, you can, you, you've got more of a chance. And if you're further away, you haven't. It was a case of, okay, how good are you at interview? And, 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 and do you fit what we think is, is what we're looking for in our, in our students? Was Cambridge your first choice? Yes. And they were the only place that interviewed me and they were the only place that offered me. And then I, I, and, and I got that offer on New Year's Eve, having put the form in around October, having been interviewed in December and I got the offer on New Year's Eve. And so nobody else then interviewed me. Now, whether that's because they knew or they just went, nope, we don't think this candidate is right for our university. I'm not sure, but I got an offer and it was the university that I wanted to go to. Mm, really well. I was lucky. I was really lucky. I bet. I bet that must memorable. Cambridge, fabulous. And I regret now almost not appreciating each day how lucky I was and how much opportunity I had. I had a complete ball. I, it was just, it was so nice. It's a beautiful place. And the diversity of the people that you meet, you know, I was living in halls, certainly for the first three years. So I was surrounded by engineers and natural scientists and medics and historians and archaeology students. And that's lovely. And then you have your final three years, which are up at the vet school with the vets 24-7. But it was nice to have that sort of diversity and thoughts and conversations that were so different for the first three years. That's just tremendous. you know. And then I did a lot of rowing as well. So that took up a lot of time. I coxed. I'm not a very good rower. I'm too small. <laughs> ah. So so when you look back, do you feel like you... You got full advantage of that diversity when you were in those first yes years? Yes and no. I think I could have taken more advantage of it. So I remember my father said, my father was a wine merchant. I remember him saying when I went, they've got a great wine society. You need to join. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. And I finally joined, I think, in my fourth year. And it was fantastic. And I, I, I thought, oh, and no, I see what he means. And so I didn't do that in my first three years. And you've got these amazing wine tastings and taste wines that you never get the opportunity to taste otherwise. And they were sponsored by the wine houses and so on. Um, so that's an example I would say I wish I'd almost joined earlier and I wish I'd done some other bits but I did a lot and I got to engage with and the rowing was great because again we got that diversity of people so I got to meet people from all different walks of life and studying different subjects and their take on it and it's just nice to be rounded rather than just focusing on a a single subject I think I like the veterinary medicine it's wonderful but it's just nice sometimes to just look at the bigger picture it was probably very freeing to have that commitment to the rowing at yeah. least, you know, to get yourself away from the books and yeah, yeah. I, it took up a lot of time. I, um, I, I think I, I thought it was about three hours a day, six days a week. So, and we'd start early and then dash to the nine o'clock lectures. I have to be honest, I did fall asleep in quite a few nine o'clock lectures because you go from the freezing cold river to the warmth of the lecture theater and the dark and that was it done. Um, but I found that my work was better when I was doing the rowing. The one term I took off, I thought I can't do this. My second year, I just thought I haven't, I, second term of the second year, I just thought I haven't got time to be doing this. So I'll do the odd bit of subbing in when, you know, other boats need a helping hand. And I would say that my work was certainly no better, if not slightly worse. And it made me appreciate that if you have a finite time frame, you know, if you say, I've got to write this essay for this supervision and I've got two hours, I've got to just do it rather than going, oh, I've got six hours, I can make it wonderful. Actually, you just fluff it around a bit. It doesn't give you a better um, outcome. It's probably given you, you know, time management-wise really probably helped all along now. It would depend who you spoke to. <laughs> uh. Sometimes my time management is marvelous, and other times my time management is somewhat 
lacking. I'm quite good at procrastinating, I would say. But I am, I, I, it, yeah, it depends what I'm doing as to how focused I am. Gotcha. Hey, tell me about your, I know you did some pathology studies. Yeah, school. so in, in Cambridge, so most of the vet schools in the UK are five-year degree courses and Cambridge does a six-year degree course. And you get, you it, it, in effect, they already intercalate. So you do your third year, you do a degree. Um, and I did pathology with interest, uh, sort of specialism in virology. And it was, it was, it was interesting. I, th- I slightly wonder whether I picked the wrong subject purely because it's, it was very genetic. What I did it was very heavily genetically based and I could draw and write out the structures of various viruses after doing it. But I, I, for me, I think it's that more history and philosophy of science and the social political side of things I think might have been a better choice. And I managed to swing my dissertation around. So I did the role of viruses in human evolution. And that was fascinating, looking at the sort of the bigger picture and how viruses have affected how we as humans have evolved. And I spent quite a lot of time looking at um, porcine endogenous retroviruses and human endogenous retroviruses and, you know, their role in things like the formation of placentas. And that was just fascinating. And then looking at the bigger picture, like, you know, how we've used sort of biological warfare. So the use of viruses like smallpox, for example, in um, the Americas and how that then affected evolution. It was just really interesting. So I managed to swing that around and that was quite nice, but it wasn't the degree that I went to the university to get. So I was pleased I did it, but I just felt I was jumping in that hoop a little bit rather than really delving myself into it. It was probably fascinating just to have a counterpoint to the to yes, the clinical stuff. Exactly, it was. It was. Did you get any exposure to to holistic medicine Not in school? At all. No, which was a shame. But there was no mention of it. I can't remember there being a mention. Of, certainly nothing herbal. Certainly nothing homeopathic. Certainly nothing chiropractic. I don't even remember having much of a conversation on physiotherapy, and I don't remember any acupuncture either at all. Um, which I I think is starting to change. A little bit in the UK. So there are certainly some of the universities, particularly acupuncture, that are starting to, I probably think, um, expose people to it. I think the University of Surrey is doing that. Uh, and I think the University of Bristol is. But the, I don't think there's much else at the moment. There's certainly, because I think in the U- in the States, you've got um, universities where they have integrative tracks. Is that right? Well, there's services. You know, it, it really varies from yeah. school to school. Certainly not enough for anybody's taste, but at least there's some. Did you know what kind of medicine you were going to practice when you got out? So when I came out, I thought I, I liked, I've always been very small animal orientated and I quite enjoyed the equine side of things. And I wondered about looking for a job that did small animal and equine. And I thought, actually, long term, in five years time, what am I going to be doing? I'm just probably going to be doing small animals. So why not just do that straight away? So I did, and I was um, very fortunate in that I got my first job, and I stayed there for eight years in a, a large hospital. Um, I mean, I think we and we got like a small animal team, a pig team, an equine team, and a large animal team. So it was a big, and it still is a big practice. And it was I, I was so lucky because I had good support, and I saw a lot. It was busy, and it gave me a good grounding in veterinary medicine both medical and surgical and I always had more of a medical bias I I enjoyed a bit of soft tissue surgery orthopedic surgery never really floated my boat but then I'm not really prepared to put a drill near a wall so (laughs) didn't seem (laughs) I was never going to be comfortable putting it near a bone (laughs) 
So, but but medicine cases, I just find I I, I really enjoyed that, and I would I, I was I was not a bad soft tissue surgeon, uh, but it was uh, yeah no I was really fortunate. I really really enjoyed the practice that I worked in, and they were very supportive of me. And we did our own out of hours, so much as that's not much fun, it was a good grounding as well. You know, really good grounding, really good grounding. So why did you leave? Because my now husband got a job elsewhere. So I had to move for that reason. Um, and I thought he works with, he's not a vet and he works in, um, well, he was, he was, um, he works in the racehorse industry or he used to, he now works more with brood mares. And, and so we moved from one stud to another. So I had to move and I assumed that we would probably end up in Newmarket and we didn't. And then we've moved back down to Dorset. So we're down in the sort of Southwest corner of the UK now. So you did some local I did. work. I did, which was tremendous fun. I like going into different practices and seeing how people do things differently. Um, so I did a six-month maternity cover in Cambridge because I thought we were going to end up in Newmarket, and we didn't. Um, and then we came to, then you got a job in Oxford. So then we were based around Oxfordshire, which was always a little bit challenging as a Cambridge graduate, but, you know, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter was born in Oxford and I do sit there going, oh my goodness, she's dark blue. Um, which I probably shouldn't say. Uh, no, but it's, it, yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It's, a be- it's another beautiful city, quite different from Cambridge in some respects and similar in others. Um, so and so I, I, I then locumed a practice there for, and I, I, my locum patches are often long, you know, they're reasonable lengths of time. So I was there for oh, seven or eight months and then I had my daughter and I took some time out and then we moved to Dorset. And then I've done odd bits of locuming for practices around here. And up until December, I was doing a day a week at a local practice who were lovely. And then I've just stopped it. So I'm not doing any conventional vetting at all at the moment and the reason I did it was I used to do it was partly to keep my hand in while my business was kind of getting going but also because I like to keep up to speed with everything so when clients come in and are talking about this drug or that drug or this way of doing blood tests or whatever I'm fully up to speed with that but I've stopped it because my little boy is going to school in September and I thought let's have a day a week we've got nine months before we're on that merry-go-round of school let's do it that's what we're doing that's good thinking so what what sent you into holistic medicine then? So a colleague of mine at my first practice was doing acupuncture and she was getting really nice results and she was having nice long appointments with her clients. And I remember her stood there one day eating a Cadbury's cream egg while she was treating and her clients had brought in this Cadbury's cream egg and you think, that's, that's not bad. Your client brings in a chocolate and you get to do good things for your animals. And I really wanted to do it, but the, the practice couldn't see the necessity for two of us to be trained. So why would you spend the money on training me? And I, I got that. That made sense from a business perspective. And then th- I ended up managing one of their branches that was quite a way out. So I made the case for, can I do this? Because I think there's some, you know, there's there's people over here who want it, and it looks great. And I think there's more we could be doing. And so I went and did um, the Association of British Veterinary Acupuncturists have a four day foundation course, and I signed up to that and the first three days are Western acupuncture and then the fourth day Linda Boggy comes over from the Netherlands and does Chinese medicine acupuncture and I remember sat there and I was you know enjoying the course always good and then she walked in and I think 40 minutes after she started talking my brain sort of just exploded a little bit and I just thought 
wow. <laughs> and I mean, let's be honest, Linda is an amazing teacher as well. So you've got that. But I just thought, this is amazing. This is such a different philosophy. I want to know more. And it just, it was just, I just, I thought it was wonderful. And then I finished that and came back. And I remember Linda had made a really pertinent point at the end of day four, because we all looked a little bit sort of terrified about the concept of going, being like unleashed on the world, you know, to treat animals with acupuncture. And she said, look, you guys stick needles in animals all the time. This is just being a little bit more specific with where you stick the needle. And you go, yeah, that's a valid point. So I remember starting to treat some patients, mainly orthopedic issues in general practice. And clients coming in going, yeah, they're loads better. And you go, really? Are you sure? Oh, that's brilliant. And, and, and I started a few others, um, urine incontinence cat, cat and all sorts. And I just thought this is fantastic. So I then was trying to look for doing a longer, more in-depth course. So I thought, I feel like I'm just touching the mere edges of this subject at the moment. And yet we're getting nice results. So how much better could this be if I did more training and learned more? So I, I looked and it was really difficult finding an IVAS course. I know um, Bivas, who are the Belgium guys, were trying to run a course in the UK in 2013, I think it was, and they were really struggling. And I'd signed up for it and they said, we haven't got enough people, we've got to cancel it. So I thought, okay, fair enough. How else can I do this? I didn't want to go over to the States just because of the distance and the time to go backwards and forwards. Um, and in the meantime, I then thought, having just heard that this course had been cancelled, I then decided I actually the rehab would be quite interesting as well. I, I quite like doing physiotherapy. I quite like that idea. I'd done a, about three or four years before, I'd done a, um, a day course looking at, at physiotherapy. So CRI were over. They just announced they were coming over to run a course for their um, CCRT program. So I did that. And then I tried to work out how I could do my training with with Linda just because I I loved the way that she taught. And I managed to then sign up for the IVAS course that was running in the Netherlands. And that was fantastic because I used to go over every four to six weeks for three, four days. And I got a, a, a one-year-old baby at this point in time. So I got three nights of sleep. I felt rejuvenated at the end of it. And I got to do this wonderful learning with these fabulous people who were on the course. And it was just it was just wonderful. Absolutely loved it. And 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 every so often Linda would pip in with a, well, there is this herbal combination that you could use for this. Or in this case, and I thought, don't even go there because you don't know anything about herbs. I didn't, but it piqued my interest a little bit. So then I yeah. went further and then started doing my advanced certificate in veterinary Chinese herbal medicine with another new baby. That probably wasn't my finest move. Oh, he was six weeks old, I think, when I started that. That was not my finest move. Yeah. But you didn't, that was on, that was through CIVT, yeah? Yeah. So you didn't have to leave well, we home. Did, it was really good because we did in that we, we, we did it with some online sessions in the Netherlands. So I got to go back to the Netherlands, which I now love. I could quite happily go back again. I miss, I haven't been back for over two years because of COVID. It's just been a bit of a nightmare. Um, so we did some online sessions. Oh, a lot of it is online, but we did some in-person sessions. So again, it was a new group of people. Um, and I took him along with me for the first couple of sessions. And then he got old enough that you know, the baby could stay at home. So Rory stayed at home. And then I got some sleep again. Um, and it was just, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so nice to use all of these treatment modalities now with my patients. And to just think, God, I have this enormous toolbox and I can pull from it. And there's still other areas that I could reach for if I wanted to. So I could go and look at chiropractic or homeopathy or you know, 
it's just like the world is your oyster. I feel like a child in a sweetie shop sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So at what point in this did you start your own practice? Um, I started Pinpoint in, I want to say, 2000, I think the January of 2016. So I've been using certainly the acupuncture as a treatment modality and the rehab beforehand in general practice. But it was challenging to do that in short 15-minute appointments or even half an hour is half an hour for acupuncture is kind of standard. And I would find that quite challenging. So I, and we'd moved recently down to Dorset. So I thought, right, let's do this. Let's set up. And I set up as a mobile uh, service. So I would go into people's homes and we would do the rehab and the acupuncture and laser therapy and mainly musculoskeletal issues, to be fair, because I think that's what people really see these modalities for in the UK. And we're trying to change that a little bit to think about all the other things that we can use for it. But I think that's the thing that most springs to mind. Um, and it was, yeah, it was it was going great guns. And I got to the point where it was, I was busy enough that trying to go from one place to another place to another place and cover everybody. It, I was just doing so much time on the road and having to schedule people out quite a way that I just thought this isn't feasible for much longer. And then I had my little boy. So I then, at which point, looked for some premises. And so I now have a clinic, which I've been in for three years now. So everyone comes to me. And you're seeing small animals and no, horses? No, very occasionally I will do acupuncture on horses. But... I predominantly stick with dogs, cats, small furries, occasionally guinea pigs and rabbits, but mainly it's dogs and cats. And um, most of my workload is probably dogs as well, to be fair. Um, I, I do occasionally do horses, but I think for me, what I like about my consults is they're, they're long. And when people say, well, my vet said this, or they suggested these bloods, or I don't understand the results, I can sit there and go, let's look, let's go through it. I can support my sort of referring conventional vet colleagues and say this is what they mean this is why they've suggested this and I can do all of that and I'm very comfortable whereas with a horse I'm just not I can look at a horse and go I can treat you with needles it's like don't ask me to do anything else don't ask me about the bloods don't ask me about what treatments it's on because I just don't know that and I don't feel I can give as good enough as good a service as I would like to um, and look after my clients as well all my patients so I will treat horses and I do get nice results with horses when I treat them but I would only do acupuncture or lays with them. And I'm just not comfortable enough as to what's normal from a medical perspective with them. So certainly conventionally. So I don't, I don't, I, I do them a bit, but not very often. And I make that quite clear with clients. Gotcha. Um, now, when you did your Chinese herb mm -hmm. training, were you guys, were you guys tasting herbs? Yes, we did. It was marvellous. And we did all sorts of things. We made up teas and we got, we'd go through all of the d individual herbs and we'd have a bag of the herb go round the room and everyone would take a little bit of out of it and pop it into these. We had little clear plastic bags so we could have a sample. So I've got binders with samples of most of the herbs that we've been using in Chinese medicine. Um, which is always quite fun when you're trying to come back through customs into the UK with a small sachets of, of, of herbs and you're going, so, no, it's, that's fine, that's Romania, it's fine, I'm not, it's nothing naughty. Um, the talc was quite comical, that was quite funny, that was. Um, but so we tried all of them um, and, and I, I thought that was really interesting and you, to, to get those sort of the energetics, the tastes and the cooling and the warming and the cloying and I found that really interesting. All right. So my next question is, uh, given you're, you're, uh, growing up with a wine merchant, 
and having some, did the, any of those skills apply, cross apply from wine oh, to herbs? That's a really think? good question. Um, I, I like to think I can pick up the, you get some of the complexity of the flavors, but I, I wouldn't say I'm not, I do not have an amazing palate. I have an okay palate, I have an, but I don't have an amazing palate. So I, those, there would be many a person who would manage to be like a herb sommelier far better than me. I have to think that it, it sets you up a little bit more for success, at least in the mindset of, you know, what you're doing mm, when you're tasting those. Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. I do find that really interesting. It's nice when you say to clients, you know, you're kind of like, you know, actually this is warming. I mean, I've, food therapy, I, I have got to do some training on because I don't have any training really in that at all. Um, but I find the premise of it really interesting. And I find it fascinating when you go, well, if you think lamb, for example, it's very warming. And you say to people, if you have a lamb casserole, you know, how does it make you feel? It gives you that feeling of warmth. And and I think you can say the same with the herbs. You know, it has it, it's the same thing. It's, people start to understand it, which is really nice. Absolutely. Do you do any uh, prescriptions of food along those no, lines? No, because I don't have. I say I haven't done the training again. This is another thing. I'm like, oh, I could do that. That would be another thing to do next. That would be tremendous fun. So I do audit diet. So. It, I, I don't necessarily, I, I might tweak it a little bit from a Chinese medicine perspective, but not very much so. I get quite a lot of home home DIY raw fed dogs. And sometimes I, I ask them to give me a food diary because it's, I have had cases where we've, I've audited the diet and I've put it through a spreadsheet and gone, actually, zinc's too low, iodine's too low, this is too low, this we could improve on. We haven't got a full nutritionally balanced diet here. And it may be that what we're seeing is because we've got nutritional imbalance. So then I might look at formulating and sometimes I then sort of slightly nod my head, shall we say, to the Chinese medicine going, actually, you're quite a warm patient. So I'm going to go with a neutral or cooling meat here because I think that might be a better choice for you. So, but, but, but I don't have full detailed training so much as I would love to be able to do that. That's another thing that's on my list to come to. I'm going to be doing this forever. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) That, uh, that nutrition works a bit timing. It is, it is to sit there and go, right, I've now got the spreadsheet and I need to plug everything into the spreadsheet and then look at it and look at the numbers and then look at what I'm aiming for. And that it does, it takes, it takes quite a lot of time to do it. and that's just looking to see whether the initial one looks fine to then try and cha- change it and tweak it so that we have a, a more optimal nutritional balance there takes longer. It's a bit of a headache sometimes. Do you, do you find yourself in, uh, mired in a lot of follow-up with the client after that sort of thing? Yes, you can do. And I think the other one is sometimes you, they don't necessarily, and sometimes you have to follow them and chase them yourself because they don't they're worried they're going to get charged if you have to reformulate if it's not working or whatever. So you kind of have to chase and say, I need to know how you're doing and how you're getting on. And you have to be really careful with what supplements they're using to make sure that they're actually using the right one. And we haven't picked a different one that maybe isn't so good. Some of them, it's it's easy. You kind of go, there we go. That's what I'm going to suggest you do. Here's the food, go. And you don't have to think too much about it. But some of them you're going back. I need to check you. I need to check back. I need to see how we're doing. I need to see, do we need to change this up a little bit? Yeah. Do you have an assistant? I do have an assistant. I have, I, I don't know what to call her. So, because she sort of, I, I hired her as my sort of receptionist, phone answerer, email, admin lady. But I've come to the conclusion that Ruby is my girl Friday because she does everything for me and picks up my children and takes them places and answers the telephone and looks after my clients and calls them for me to see if they're all okay. Um, and she's just absolutely 
fantastic and I don't know how I cope without her and she I have put her through the training for the spreadsheet to be able to form so I can say to her can you put put all of this into a spreadsheet for me for the food side of things when people send us food diaries and then I can look at it and then I can change it up but that initial step she can take some of the work out for me oh that's brilliant she's really amazing really amazing so do you have a typical patient at the moment that's a really good question um a lot of my patients, I think probably because of the rehab training as well, a lot of them are musculoskeletal and I have a lot of sort of them. I want to say geriatrics, but some of them are actually the early arthritic dogs as well. Um, so I see a lot of those, but I'm seeing a fair few cancer cases and a fair few kidney cases at the moment. And they're really interesting. And they're so, especially the kidney cases, I find really satisfying. But actually the cancer, the, the patients I have who have cancer, I just find it fantastic that if we use a really integrative approach, we can really give them great quality of life, really improve that. And and in many cases, for longer than you may anticipate. And the other thing is, as I have that time, because my consults are long, I have time to support my clients as well as my patients and and, and get that really nice bond going and make sure that they're feeling supported and, and that their voices are heard as well because it's a big thing to go through I think anything with any chronic disease process whether that's cancer or arthritis or whatever there it, it's it's I'm, I try and think of it as I'm looking after the team it's we're a team it's it's the the patient and the client are two sides of a different coin and I need to look after both of them and treat both of them not necessarily treat the client but in more of a supportive way um and 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 as as a, as a sort of a, we, we're all sort of all three of us come together and, and work together to get a good outcome that's a good outlook um so when you're doing your rehab work are you doing exercises and things at the clinic and then sending them home with homework or what's your balance that's there? pretty much what i do so i i do i i normally i assess i treat what i find with either manual therapies or acupuncture or laser usually a combination of the three and then I try and give people homework I so we try and demonstrate this is the exercise I want you to do this is how I want you to do it and then off you go this is what I want you to do sometimes I send them home with a home exercise plan which you can do what I do online and then email it over to them so they know what they're doing and how they're doing it but if they're happy with what they're doing and how often they're doing it and I try and keep it simple certainly to start with because I think sometimes it's very easy to overwhelm people and go here are five or six exercises go and do all of them and pick which one you want whereas sometimes actually giving them two or three is easier and it's also taking into account what people have got time for so some clients have got all the time in the world and they'll do everything and more and you always have to rein them back and others our time is 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 really minimal so you go okay how much time can you give me each day for this and they may say I can give you 10 minutes each day that's what I have okay fine what can I come up with for you that will do that will help even if it's just a small change what else can we do yep that's good set Mm. expectations Mm. I think so I think we have to kind of otherwise we set everyone up for failure no nobody wants to be set for failure especially clients if we can keep if, if I can help them and make them feel that they're achieving what they need to do and they've I've asked them to do it and they've done it that's great they can go great let's do more whereas if you go oh you see all of this and they go and they go I haven't you know, it's, it's like, it's okay, but it's, it's a different mindset. So it's just trying to keep it. So they go, Oh no, I, I can do it. So what are you looking forward to next? What's up on your plate? Oh, that's a good question. So I've got to finish. I am nearly finished my advanced certificate. She says four years out the line, uh, which should have been done two years, but I just need to do my case assessment. I've literally got to finish a couple of, um, corrections on my case assessment. And then that is done. And I have wondered about taking that up to a graduate diploma because I think I, a lot of it can come as required prior learning. 
I have wondered, I would like to do, and I am in the process of trying to set it up, is doing some sort of integrative puppy online course for clients. So it's something that they can sign up for and watch the videos and we can look at things like, you know, vaccination, worming, flea treatment, neutering, what's the current research, what's the most thought-provoking thing to do, where's that middle ground, what's the science saying? Because I think there's a slight discord at the moment with what some of the research suggests and what is potentially happening in general practice. And clients recognise this and moving away from it. And I'd rather we were having that conversation and go, these are the options and these are the pros and the cons, rather than I'm not doing anything. I'm just not going to do anything at all. Or I'm just going to do everything because I've been told to do it. So that's what I'm going to do. Actually, let's make sure you're happy you're making an informed decision on your choices. Well, those are two Mm. good options. I'm going to have to check back with you and see what you picked. (laughs) I know. No. (laughs) I like to be keeping busy. Good. Well, Amy, I think this is a good place for us to uh, to stop. Thank you so much for your time. It was great talking yeah, it was to you. Yeah, lovely chatting to and, you too. Uh, really happy to hear about you and your Thank practice. you so much for your time, Neil. I've really appreciated it. And thank you for inviting me on. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.